Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tournament Talk with AmateurGolf.com. And this week we have a special episode with reigning U.S. Amateur Champion, Andy Ogletree. As the reigning U.S. Amateur Champion, Andy Ogletree was scheduled to have a tee time for the first two rounds of the 2020 Masters with defending champion Tiger Woods. Just ponder that for a second. The world has changed over the last few weeks due to the growing pandemic, and sadly, the Masters, along with professional, amateur, college, and junior golf, are all on pause. In this week's tournament talk, we chat with 2019 U.S. Amateur Champion Andy Ogletree about his historic comeback this past summer on Pinehurst Number 2. We talk a bit about how he's coping with his forced time off from competition, and we get a chance to meet a genuinely nice guy with a very positive outlook on life. Before we get into this week's episode, make sure you just subscribe to Tournament Talk with AmateurGolf.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. For the latest updates on tournaments, results, and news, visit AmateurGolf.com. And make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at AmateurGolf. And now, here's Pete. I've got the pleasure of hosting today Andy Ogletree on AmateurGolf.com's Tournament Talk. And Andy, uh, third player from Georgia Tech to win the U.S. Amateur last year at Pinehurst, beat John Augenstein in a final match, really good comeback. And um, you're a senior at Georgia Tech, and you're faced with the cancellation of the NCAA season. So we're hoping to talk to you a little bit about that and some of your plans, potential to turn pro, anything else you want to tell the public about Andy Ogletree. Also, the first guy from guy from Mississippi to win the U.S. Amateur, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. So, Andy, walk me through where you were when you found the news. You're a senior at Georgia Tech, one of the top-ranked teams in the country, and you find out that your season and your school year is canceled. Um, so we were we were at our Georgia Tech practice facility. Um, I guess it was me and like five other guys and our assistant coach. And um, our assistant coach got a phone call. And it was the phone call saying that um, all NCAA championships have been canceled um, for the spring semester. And so we all kind of didn't even really know what to think. Um, Obviously, one can assume that from that, you kind of put two and two together and figure out that that pretty much means the rest of the season's canceled. So um, shortly after that, we got a, a text from Coach Hepler saying, everyone come to the practice facility. We're going to have a team meeting. And he basically told us that and uh, told us that he thinks everything will probably eventually get canceled if if they're not going to have an NCAA championship. It's not looking good for the rest of the season. So um, we were getting ready to leave the next day for a tournament. Um, Everybody was kind of feeling pretty good. And we had a really good team, three seniors, um, a junior and a sophomore that have all played really well. And we were kind of turning in the right dire- direction. We thought it was going to be really good spring, and uh, but the news hit us pretty hard. And I mean, you, Disappointment. you come here to try to to try to play a national championship and to try to win. And um, we thought this was a really good chance for us, and we really felt confident about where we were heading this year. And that's kind of taken away now. So um, we've had a little, a little time to reflect now, and uh, I think the more it sets in kind of the worst feeling it leaves but um right now don't really don't really know many answers and we're just trying to learn as much as we can and stay as positive positive as we can we still have 
a few guys that have hung around Atlanta, so we're still hanging out and practicing together. And um, everything's practice-wise is still kind of normal. Um, there's a few courses that are shut down, and um, living conditions are a little different, but uh, we're still able to practice, and we're still able to have that team bonding that we we always have. So, um, yeah, there's not not many answers right now. Yeah, it sounds like you're seeking respite in golf, which is good, but you don't really have anything to prepare for immediately. Your life was turned around. Exactly, um, yeah. We're just kind of preparing for unknown. We don't really know what we're preparing for. Right, but you have a lot to prepare for because, you know, if – the U.S. Open ends up getting played. You're exempt. Now, we know the Masters yeah. is going to get postponed and hopefully get played later in the year. And you're also yeah. exempt into the Open Championship of, of, you know, over in the U.K. So wh what does that do to your plans to potentially turn professional or to even you know, potentially return as your eligibility would be opened according to NCAA's recent decision? Um, have you made any of those decisions yet? And I don't want to put any hard questions in front of you, but you're pondering a lot of stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously my mind's racing. I'm trying to talk to a lot of people and get a lot of, a lot of answers. But honestly, uh, there's there's nobody that really knows when the PGA Tour season is going to be going to start back up. There's no one who knows um, for sure if the U.S. Open is going to be played. There's no one for sure that knows the British Open is going to get played because no one knows when the tournaments are even going to start back. So, um, yeah, I do have a lot of stuff to look forward to is if it all goes as planned and everything stays on schedule. But um, for now, I'm not really, I'm not going to, um, I guess, get my hopes up, so to speak, on making a plan or um, getting a schedule because right now there's just too much unknown. So uh, I'm honestly just trying to, whenever, whenever, that day comes when golf is back to normal. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be ready. That's just kind of the outlook I've had on it. And, um, whether that be professional tournaments or amateur tournaments, um, I want my golf game to be in the same place. So it doesn't really, doesn't really matter to me. I'm just ready to play golf tournaments again. Sounds like the attitude of a U.S. amateur champion. And, you know, this isn't Corona talk we're on here. We want to make this a little bit upbeat. Let's, let's put it this way. We all want this thing to go away, but we all are realistic. It's not going to go away overnight, somewhere between lasting forever and being done with the click of a, of a fingers is the truth. And what yeah. we, what we hope is going to happen for not only for you, but for the PGA tour, for all golf fans and golfers everywhere, we hope that there's going to be a season. It's going to be delayed and a lot of things are going to get compressed. So I guarantee you're going to have all sorts of opportunities to play in amateur tournaments as an amateur in professional tournaments as an amateur or in professional tournaments as a pro to wh whatever you decide to do, I'm sure you're going to have a chance to do it, but it's all made possible. At least some of it was made possible. These exemptions by winning the U S amateur. So let's take a step back to August of 2019. You're four down after five holes against a fine player. And yet you had seen some tweets that said, Maybe he deserves to be there, and it wasn't sure if you deserve to be there. It sounded like you got a little bit of motivation from that. Yeah, um, I guess the night before I saw some tweets that um, there was some stuff going around that the, only one of the players um, has credibility to his name and stuff like that, and that doesn't set well with me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I'm a competitive guy. I always have been, and uh, winning is – Winning a golf tournament has kind of been 
the priority of what I do forever. So um, that didn't that didn't set well with me, and I was just focused on winning the golf tournament. I didn't. I wasn't worried about the first four holes, the first ten holes. Um, I knew it was going to be a long day. John's a great player, and 36 holes is a lot of golf. So whoever plays the best over 36 holes is going to win that match. So, I mean, I've been asked a lot about um, being four down through five, and I, I keep telling everyone I, I never thought I was going to lose. Um, I kept telling myself 36 holes is a lot of golf, and um, let's just let's just focus on one shot at a time. And um, if it's good enough at the end, it's it's good enough. If not... I'll be fine with it because I tried my hardest. So um, over the course of the day, I mean, I think I won four out of the last seven holes. So people could say, oh, what about winning four out of the last seven holes? But they didn't. They said, uh, how did it feel being four down through five? So there's different runs like that in match play. Um, obviously, getting a run, win four or five in a row. Um, it doesn't It doesn't really matter if it's early in the round or late in the round over – the course of the day, it, that, it just matters what's on the what's on the scoreboard. So um, I just I really felt like I stayed one shot at a time, well, one really, hole at a time. You never, really did. Never beat myself. You really did. You had uh, some opportunities late in the day when you were really squaring things up in that match, and you know he took driver out on the thirty first hole. You laid yeah. up with an iron. You hit a wedge on there. You played the hole your way. And you made the birdie, and then on 16, which was the 33rd or 34th hole, you could have easily not made a 10-footer and been even standing on the 17th tee, and yet you can the, probably the biggest 10-footer in your life, right? Yeah, definitely. It was. Uh, I think back to that putt a lot. It was uh, probably the biggest biggest shot of my life, honestly. Um, if I if I miss that putt, it's all square, and he has the momentum with two to play. So. I think that was definitely the biggest moment of my life is stepping in there and making that putt. It gave me a lot of confidence going forward and to know that you can to make those putts under the heat and under the gun and um, still perform. And it was, it was really cool. And I think it'll help me a lot in the future. That was huge. And you both hit really good shots. 17 is one of my favorite par threes. You know, it's just a gorgeous yeah, great hole. hole. Absolutely love it because you can, it, it can seem easy if you hit a good iron shot or it can seem really hard if you miss it. In the yeah. That green complex is pretty, pretty severe and, um, the greens were so firm in the week throughout the week that uh, if it wasn't a front pin, it would have probably made the hole a little tougher because front pin you can kind of hit a short enough iron to spin it a little bit. But the back pins, I remember balls bouncing over the green all week, so uh, it's definitely not an easy hole to step up with a one-stroke lead on. But got that one exactly where I wanted it. An uphill putt, great chance to to win it outright right there, but just missed it. Well, it's, it's shocking in a sense because, and I, not that I've ever been there in a club championship maybe, but I've never been there in a match like that. And to, to, to see yourself with a 10-footer on 16 and, or the 34th hole and a chance to really go back to even and you make it and now you're one up and all of a sudden he guns it 10 feet by and misses. You didn't expect it to end that way, but I got to imagine there was a sigh of relief but also a little weirdness to you at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely expected him – I kind of expect them to make the first one. I think that's kind of what you should do in match play is expect the person to pull off the shot every time. Um, so you're never really surprised if anything happens. But um, obviously he was not leaving that putt short, and I understand that. And 
I mean, that's that's the competitive nature in everyone. They want to they want to make that putt, and they don't want to see themselves leave a putt short that um, could have been the end. So uh, I definitely could see how that could easily happen. Um, if I'm in that same situation, there's no chance I'll leave that putt short. So I don't think John's going to look back and regret giving that putt a run. But, um, yeah, not, not the way that I envision winning. But at the end of the day, um, if, if that, if that holds on, like I said earlier, if that holds on the fourth hole of the day, no one talks about it. But since it's the 35th hole, everyone, everyone talks about it and, um, kind of makes it a bigger deal than, to me what it is so. well, like i said i think you won the match with that putt that 10 footer on what i think it's a par four for you guys but it's a par five yeah for the it public. was yeah. i'm used to playing it as a par five so but yeah tough hole yeah it's a great hole so you know making that putt especially for, for me i like to work the ball left to right so that tee shot's always a little awkward the pine trees kind of hang over the fair when you have to draw it off the bunker on the right but um yeah i left it out there and hit it in the bunker well your ball striking was wonderful Earlier in the year, you won a tournament called the Monroe Invitational um, yeah. at a gorgeous little golf course, a Donald Ross course in, in upstate New yeah, York. Yeah, great place. And tell me a little bit about that one because you're, you're on a historic trophy at that tournament. Yeah, um, I played the Monroe, I guess, four times now. Um, I played going into my freshman year of college, and I've played every year since. And I've come close a couple times. I, uh, two years Prior to winning this year, I uh, shot 62 the final round. So I was like, all right, I'm going to come back next year. <laughs> I finally had a really good round on this course. I finished like seventh that year, but I think I only lost by three or four strokes. So I came pretty close. Came back the next year. Um, I think I had a putt to tie for the win. If I, I, I might have lost by two, but um, anyway, lipped it out on 18. And either lost by one or two. I don't even remember, to be honest with you. But uh, I knew that, I mean, that golf course is so good. It's it's not long, but it's still challenging. I mean, the winning score is like one or two under every year somehow. You play the course in the practice and you're like, oh, this I mean, this course is very gettable. It's like 6,800 yards. Um, all the par fives are reachable. But for some reason, when the tournament starts, the pins get tough. Um, they don't cut the rough. And uh, it seems to always get windy there, so just a really good golf course and I played some great golf. I stayed, I stayed with the same host family every year. Um, they were nice enough to let me stay with them four years in a row. So I developed a really good relationship with them and always wanted to go back and play that tournament. Just kind of just stay with them and, uh, catch up and get to play a really good golf course. So well, give them a little um, shout out. Let's, let's give them some credit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Doyle family. Well, uh, their son Gunnar Doyle plays golf at West point and, uh, so I've, I've known them for four years now and always enjoy going back to the Monroe. That's one of the coolest things about the summer amateur circuit and amateurgolf.com really, you know, we kind of, that's our day in and day out, you know, bread and butter is covering these amateur events. And of course I've, yeah, I've been, so yeah, it's a lot of fun and staying with those host families and, you know, every tournament has a little different feel. You went there four years in a row, you got familiar with Donald Ross golf, but look, you went from Donald Ross to Donald Ross and there's a lot of similarities in those. Yeah, some there of those. definitely is. I mean, especially in the green complexes, you can kind of, you know what you're getting into when it says uh, Donald Ross was the architect. So 
That's right. Um, That's right. And Monroe is what they're trying to do is they're trying to take a little shorter golf course and make it difficult by putting those pins in some amazing positions, especially on the last round. So having survived that and won that tournament, you know, a whole like you told you talked about number 17 at Piners. All of a sudden, um, you know, some of those things, they may not even be in the front of your brain, but they're back there. They're files. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it had been a while since I had uh, slept on a lead at a tournament. I've come close a lot in college events. Last year, especially, I think I had a few second place, lost by one a couple times. And um, the ACC championship last year was the last lead that I had going into the Monroe and ended up losing by one to John Pock, who's a great player. And uh, he just kind of outplayed me the final round. But I think uh, all those small experiences and learning from all the mistakes that I've made definitely helped me at the USAM feel a little more comfortable. And um, obviously, the Monroe is not as big of a stage as the U.S. Amateur, but there's a lot of similarities in the golf course. There's a lot of similarities in um, sleeping on a lead. And it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter the strength of the tournament, still winning in golf tournaments. So um, that's something that I had to get used to again. And um, now I've learned a lot about myself and know that my, what my tendency are, tendencies are under pressure and um, how to handle that. So. The Monroe definitely helped me. And now the U.S. Amateur, I'm guessing a lot of good – I know you haven't been able to take advantage or you're not sure if you're going to be able to take advantage of some of the exemptions that are coming your way. I, I think you will. But, you know, there's yeah, a, hope so. a lot of things have happened. Like um, Matt Kuchar went to Georgia Tech. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing you've either already met him probably, but, you know, probably got a phone yeah. call or a text from him when you won the U.S. Amateur. And yeah, I did. A few people back in Little Rock, Mississippi, which is – what I understand, a small town where your dad runs a supermarket. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, he has a Piggly Wiggly in a local town. Um, it's like 10 minutes from my address. Is uh, My address is in Little Rock, Mississippi, and there's nothing there except a gas station. Uh, it's pretty much an address. It's a community, and I went to school in Union, and uh, my dad owns a Piggly Wiggly in Union and some other stuff. He owns, like, he has a small takeout steak business on Friday nights, and uh, he owns some buildings and stuff. But um, my granddad was mayor of the town, so our family is very well connected with everyone there. I mean, I literally know every person that lives in the city, I'm pretty sure. That's incredible. And, uh, to see the whole town kind of come behind me, and um, I would get on social media, and everything that I saw was just everyone's watching. And that's just such a cool feeling to, to make your hometown proud and um, to give everyone – a little bit of excitement and let them cheer for a sport that they're not really used to, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the golf part of it, I don't know how far the closest golf course was for you. What, you know, what was your situation in high school golf and, and, you know, where did you pick up that first club? Yeah. My high school team actually played at a, um, nine hole course. It was, uh, and it was in union. Um, it was, it was somewhere to play, but it definitely, I mean, it was a short course that had been there forever. And so to get to get somewhere that um, that I was used to playing like amateur events, I had to go to either Northwood or Dancing Rabbit, which are both about thirty minutes away. Um, Northwood's in Meridian, Mississippi, and Dancing Rabbit's in Philadelphia. They have two courses. Dancing Rabbit always had a bent. They had a course with bent grass greens and another course with Bermuda greens, and they had one course with Bermuda fairways and one course with Zoysia fairways. So wherever I was getting ready to go play a junior tournament that I could always have somewhere to practice and get ready for that because uh, that pretty much co- covers all the course conditions in the country. So 
Um, and then Northwood's like a shorter course, kind of like a Monroe. It's all position golf. Green complexes are a lot of slope, and the greens are always super fast. So I had a good mix of different kind of places to play. And then after school, if I just wanted to go somewhere and uh, get a quick nine in, I'd go to Union Country Club with my high school team. It sounds pretty good. And it sounds like you were always working, always thinking, um, and you know, that's what you have to do to get better. You're, you're talking about preparing yeah, as, sure. a you always have to have a plan. as a junior player, you know, you had the mindset that I need to put on these greens because I'm going to go out to a junior tournament and I'm going to have those greens. I was a kid. I was putting on some greens that I'd never seen in my life before. And I was shocked when I three putted six times. So there's a big difference in the mindset. <laughs> yeah. You know, you were, you were obviously mature for your age and, and taking on this game, this great game that it is. For sure. Before yeah. we wrap up, tell us something about um, Andy Ogletree that we don't know. You know, something that uh, is kind of interesting or that you want to take to the game. If, um, if, you're, if you're <laughs> Wow, out, that's that's a tough question. Well, if you're, you're out on tour, if you're out on PGA Tour someday, you know, what, what are people going to know you for? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of out there already, but I mean, I'm just a small-town kid who's, I'm never going to change. I love golf. I love the process of getting better. Um, I have a big group of friends and, um, I'm, I'm never going to change that. And I'm never going to be a guy that, uh, changes the way that I go about things. I'm, I'm just going to keep doing me and try to get as good as I can at this game that I love and see where it takes me. Would you ever have thought it was going to take you to a master's invitation? Yeah, I did. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I love, I um, love that. I love that. Andy. That was that's, I mean, golf's been what I've done for a long time, and I'm blessed with a really good ability from the man above, but I've worked really hard, and I've always seen myself in positions like this, and that's uh, that's why I practice so much, is to give myself these opportunities, so I can't wait to hopefully take advantage of them. Well, I hope the young people that are listening will get something out of that. You've always got to visualize the biggest possible things. And in your case, it's a master's invitation, everything that goes along with it. Now that I've gotten to know you a little bit, Andy, I'm going to be rooting for you to take advantage of these exemptions and to be in that stage again and again. And I'm going to be watching out. And for the whole country, let's hope this whole crisis gets behind us quickly. We're all back on the golf course. And uh, maybe we'll tee it up one day. Okay? Thanks for being on. Can't wait. Okay. Thank you. Stay safe. You too.